It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buster. Emily, how are you doing today? <laughs> I am determined to keep this podcast to an hour and 15 minutes. So let's see if we can do it. We're no, on the clock. 2.30. No way we don't go 2.30. No, uh, we're not. <laughs> because we got to go recap. We got to go preview. And we're going to do it. We have, we don't have to go on tangents and we can speak, you know, very clearly about these games because a lot of these games this weekend were straightforward, I think. Right. And then a lot of the uh, matchups this, this coming weekend are pretty straightforward. So I think this coming weekend more straightforward. I think we had a lot of very interesting results this weekend, but we're, that's what we're here to break them down for. We're going to yes. Cincinnati 38, Miami, Ohio 17. Uh, at one point, Miami, Ohio led 17 to 7, but talent went out. Cincinnati's O line played very well. McClellan ran well. A uh, bit of a fumbling issue for Cincinnati in this game. I don't mm. know if that Ben Bryant's the guy long term if you want to get back to that New Year Six level if you're Cincinnati, but also I don't know that he's not your best option at quarterback, which is its own problem. Mm. My turn. I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't really have a whole ton to say about Cincinnati. They win the battle for the victory bell, which is kind a of thing. a neutral site game at Paul Brown Stadium or what? Yeah, stadium there in Cincy. Sixteenth um, consecutive season that they win that. Um, yeah, you beat a Mac school. Um, yeah, it's a rivalry game. It was Luke Fickle's fiftieth win as a Cincinnati Bearcat, so that's okay. A nice round number to hit. It's the first lead for Cincinnati in the series since 1915, which I did not know that that's weird. I know. Very fun fact there. And they scored the last 31 points of the game. So that bodes well heading into next week's matchup, I guess. Slow start, slow start, but they got together and clearly were the more talented team in this game. Yeah. Uh, As we knew they would be because we both picked them. So, yes, we did. You beat me this week in picks because I got up to Jacksonville State to beat Tulsa. Which you know what? Sense, I think I, I talked Jacksonville before. State up. I talked them up too much, and that just like they no, did not. I, I like Rich Rod, and I knew what they mm-hmm. were coming into the game. I was mad at Tulsa because I felt like you tricked me into picking Northern Illinois. And Northern Illinois kind of what? This it, is not my yeah. fault. You for, I'm blaming you for backpack losses taken against Tulsa. Uh, Rutgers 16, Temple 14. Uh, Interesting, the right? Only time Rutgers got to the end zone was on a pick six. Mm. Now, I mean, Temple's defense looked really good in this game. I mean, it was a drag out, punch you in the mouth, bite in the mm-hmm. mud kind of game, and Temple's defense dominated it. Uh, I was Warner, on my uh, knees begging for them to, they were so close to upsetting Rutgers. I was like, please. Yeah. 
yeah, Warner, the freshman quarterback, had a few freshman mistakes in this game, but he looks promising in a mm-hmm. way that Juan Mathis, who didn't even dress for this game, doesn't look prom- or never looked promising to me. Okay. Uh, Patterson, yes, we know. Yeah. We now know who Duan Mathis is, all right? It's okay. fine. Uh, Patterson, the running quarterback, then Tipple, they brought him in a couple of times to run the ball. He scored a touchdown on it once. Other times, it just seemed very telegraphed that he was only going to run quarterback power when he was in there. Mm-hmm. I don't love that when teams do that. When they, and a lot of teams do this where they bring in a running quarterback and maybe a bigger, stronger guy yeah. to run power or something like that. But if they can't throw or you never throw with them, then defense is yeah. in box and it doesn't work. But it, it makes them it, I, I understand what you're saying because it's it's telegraphed and it's obvious, but in that same vein, in that same token, it creates like you have to you still have to adjust for it. So it it forces the defense to shift, you know, and in that moment, like A, that can catch you off your feet. Sometimes it can wear you down. Like it's it's a strategy. I, I don't know that it's a great strategy, just, but I don't I don't care if you run 75% of the time with the guy. I just want a little bit more creativity in the design on those runs. That's fair. Make them make them look more than just at one play when that mm. in. You know what I mean? If it's just yeah. quarterback up the middle or quarterback off tackle, that's nothing to stop. Uh okay. but how about this? They allowed 70 first half yards to a Big Ten team. I don't care that's records. That's really, really impressive. For a it Temple, is good. Atrocious last year. There's a clear attitude shift from Temple where they were, they were playing tougher. They were mm-hmm. they didn't step down. They didn't roll over when things got tough at uh, you know, a certain point in the second half, you know. Uh yeah, I think that's a really I know it's a loss and there's you know, moral victories only say so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a lot of promise going forward if you're Temple. A hundred percent. The fact that they held them without an offensive touchdown is huge. This We're talking about a Temple team that scored their first points of the season last week and have looked not much better than previously. You know, you were even doubting on them. So I think it's – this is what I'm saying is that this Temple team is going to surprise people when they least expect it. So – that was that was evidence of that. So it'll be very interesting to see what they look like in November compared to now. See how they. I forgot to give a quick shout out to because um, we're going to do the players of the week too as we go. So okay. um, Cincinnati's punter was the special teams player of the week. He averaged forty eight point two yards on five punts, and he dropped one right inside the five yard line, which is always sexy when you're a punter, um, and you can do that. Uh, career long 67 yards. So, you know, that's, it's pretty impressive. 67 yards. That's a bomb. He leads the American in punting at 48 yards per punt. So mm-hmm. that was the only one we had. So, well, Ben Bryant, they're obviously the quarterback. He was given honorable honors for his performance against Miami, but we don't need to mention Remember. that. So yeah, we're caught up now. <laughs> All right. Do you have any honorables from Temple? Anything? No, Temple did not get any players of the week. Okay. <laughs> kind of a Skipping well, I'm just kind of a bummer. No, good performance, but I guess when you lose, it's I mean, in all fairness, the offense didn't do much. It was like a team effort. So maybe they should just have like a whole team honor. Yeah. Like they're, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh how about this for a surprise? Tulane 17, Kansas State. 10. <laughs> oh my God. Why? <laughs> Why are they doing this this year? The year that I like. Boycott them. They did because you abandoned them. I hate it. I hate it here. (laughs) That defense came to play. They're hitting hard. They contained 
a really, really explosive running back in Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez, who's looked better than he ever did at Nebraska this season, at least prior to the two-lane game. Uh, Michael mm-hmm. Pratt still didn't look good. He had a turnovers. <laughs> thank and he was, he thank was you. throwing the ball, frankly. Uh, he ran the ball, the ball, but he did not look good in this game. Uh, you know, you one, know who did look good in this game? Senior linebacker Nick Anderson, Neezy, if you follow him on Instagram, as I do. He also had a hilarious post on there with his NIL deal with like this protein cereal. It was great. You should definitely, um, y'all should check that out. But Anderson led their defense, which was impressive against this unbeaten Kansas State team to just holding him just 10 points, 336 yards in the win. He tied for the team lead with six tackles, including a tackle for a loss with a quarterback hurry. And two of his stops came on big fourth down plays. So I think that's what for me was the biggest thing was seeing that Tulane could actually stop a team and hold them on fourth down and then hold the Wildcats to one of five on fourth down and two of 15 on third. I mean, that was incredible. You know, like what I was saying about Tulane in the first two weeks is it wasn't that they were bad. It wasn't that they were good. It was that they haven't played anybody yet. Yeah. So we don't know what they are, but what it did do is it gave them a chance to figure out what problems they might have in real game situations, teams where you don't know what they're going to do. In practice, you yeah. what everyone else is going to do. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, it sounds silly, but like when you're an offensive lineman and you're going up against a defense lineman that you've been practicing against for two years, you know what his pass rush move is. Right. Like, you know what his go-do is. You know what he's good at. So, like, even if they're, like, trying to mimic another team, you just know what they do. You know how they do it. Uh, yeah. That's why live action reps are so important and why it's so difficult to – Play really tricky games weeks one and week two because you're still kind of getting your feet under you. They took the time they went in, and who knows how good Kansas State is? They were after a couple weeks of really trendy. Ooh, they might compete with Oklahoma. Pick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows now? I mean, we'll see. Uh, one for twelve on third downs was the Tulane offense. I really like what I saw mm. from the defense. I'm not convinced that the offense is firing them up. Also, mm-hmm. there's a point. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, a weird stat from this game. Each team had 336 yards exactly. Oh. Yep. This game was full of interesting things. Tulane being 3-0 and for the first time since 1998. And that we year, that. yeah, Green Wave went 12-0 and and is ranked number seven in the final national polls. Tulane also has outscored its first three opponents by a 111 to 20 margin. Now, of course, you build in the the opponents from the first two games, and that number is... What? What are you trying to say about UMass? I'm just saying that while that that stat looks very impressive on paper, you do have to remember who Tulane has played. But still, 111 to 20 margin, that's... It's impressive, so... Shout out to Lane. They Absolutely. that was their only Nick Anderson was the only um player of the week though, but that's okay. Representing the defense, that's really who deserves yeah. to be represented in the lane. Yeah, not um, Michael Pratt. No, he he was not good. If we're getting <laughs> Thank we're, you for jumping on the train. Thank you. I still believe he has a talent, but no, 50% mm-hmm. completions with two interceptions is not a good day passing. I mean, it's the same old story with him. It's this, it has not changed. It ran well. Anyway, he led the team in rushing. Uh, moving on to, I think, an interesting one Kansas 48. Oh, God. 
Dana Holgerson I, admitted after the game that he was out coached in this one. Oh my God. Another week, another ridiculous Dana Holgerson quote slash had players fighting on the sidelines in this game for Houston. A couple wide receivers got into it. Uh, wow. The defense had no ability to contain quarterback Jay Lynn Daniels. That's confused with Jay Din Daniels, but Jay Lynn Daniels, mm. pretty good quarterback for Kansas, mind you. Uh, yeah. 1.2 yards per carry, two touchdowns for 123 yards total on the ground from the quarterback position. Uh, threw for three mm. more touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over. Uh, so, yeah, the Houston defense was missing in action. Uh, didn't <laughs> often didn't help them out at all in this game. They had two turnovers of their own and, you know, set the defense up poorly a couple of times there. But 30 points is nothing to see that. That's a pretty good watermark to get to. Yeah, but if you have an offense that's led by Clayton Toon with the other guys, like you should be putting up that many points. Like that's not something where we're like, oh, okay, good job. No, that should be your standard. And the defense that was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the conference, possibly in the country. No. They've got the like, athletes still on the defensive line. And but what the- is happening? Well, the linebackers stink for one. They've been it was supposed off. to be Sack Avenue and we're seeing okay. none of that. I mean, there's a few issues with Houston overall. I wanted to get into it with you because I want to hear your thoughts. But mine are first off Mm. that they're an undisciplined team. They're an incredibly undisciplined and mentally weak team. Well, look at their coach. Well, that's what I'm saying. You had a fight on the sidelines of this game. Uh, You had 10 penalties in this game. You know what they are in what where Houston ranks in the country in penalties per game, Emily? Uh, no. 131st. <laughs> That's how many teams there are. They're last in penalties per game. They're last in penalty yards per game. You're shooting yourself in the foot right away. They're minus That's one insane. on the turnover margin. That's 80th in the country. It's not. Which crazy. is crazy because that was supposed to be their strength. <laughs> what is happening? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I think they're an undis- undisciplined, mentally weak team right now who's coming to the games. They're playing sloppy. They're committing penalties. They're starting out from behind in the first two games, they mm-hmm. actually started to lead the 14, nothing lead at this one before they blew it. Uh, but I don't think that they're focused coming into games. I don't think that they're, you know, mentally all like there. And I do think the Alton McCaskill injury is hurting the offense significantly. I don't think they've got the balance they need to uh, let Clayton tune, throw the ball downfield because no one's scared of the running game right now when you're playing. Houston. Yeah. I think that's affecting them. Uh, so I think it's a few different things. Well, it's but, a bummer. But I thought this was a New Year's Six team and they're one and two and they look bad, frankly. Yeah, it's it's only going to get worse because especially if you're having issues like that in week three with fighting on the sideline, the inability to just man up at all. Like, yeah, it's not, it's, I don't think it's going to get better. And with Holgerson at the helm, who basically just like comes up with some weird thing to say after each game where he blames some other element or like says something just like strange, you know, that's not leadership. Like, okay. Mike Leach is weird by design. You being weird and saying like contradictory stuff is just dumb. Mike Leach has stuff. So he doesn't have to answer the question though. Herm Edwards does the same thing. Well, not anymore, but he does generally. For instance, I transcribed a Mike Leach like interview question earlier Mm -hmm. today where it was, are you thinking about going for two more since you've had extra point issues? They've missed like three extra points on the season. Or oh something God. Like that. Story of his and life. Mm-hmm. Was, 
And instead of answering the question, he goes, I'm thinking about going to kick in myself. And everyone laughs and the next question starts. Right. And, and I've answer. seen it in action. I've seen it. Yeah. He just says something weird. And everyone right. Goes, and not that it's even weird. He like, it, people laugh and they think it's funny and they're like, oh, it's Mike Leach being Mike Leach. And so they don't bother to pursue the issue. And Herm Edwards is the same. He'll say something that makes you feel like you're in on the joke. And so you don't actually pursue the question that you meant to, to ask. So mm-hmm. I've seen it, it and it works. It works for him. You know, it's like, whatever, but Dana Holgerson's not that guy. He's not good. He's not good yeah. at it. I think he's trying to do it. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know what he's doing, but he's a he, needs, he needs to, and some point he needs to start winning in Houston too, for what they're paying him. Because... I think he should go on a, um, uh, a sober adventure. So like no more white claws until you win a game. That's uh, it's not white claws, it's vodka red bulls that he's drinking. No, he he drinks white, he loves white claws. Well, that's he part of your it. problem. There's a white claws nasty. Yeah, not white claws are gross. All. Agreed. Um, Anyways, um, I'm not picking Houston anymore, so goodbye. Oh, uh, they're playing rice next week, so yeah, I'm picking rice. Okay. Spoiler well, alert for the second half of the podcast. Your girl's rolling with Mike Bloomgren. So before we move on really quick, I just want to check something super quick. 20 and 17 at Houston. This is record. 20 and 17. Yeah, that's mediocre. That's terrible. That's yeah. Houston's a program no one has better resources than them. Mm-hmm. No There's so much people. money. You pay your offensive line coach almost a million dollars. What are you doing? No one has better history in the conference than Houston. Yeah. You know, it's you're he's got to get some like deep, like you have better access to talent than anyone. It is inexcusable yeah. not to be. At the top of the conference every year, I know they played for the conference championship game last year. I know what the record was last year. That's the outlier. Doesn't season. matter. Since Doesn't 2019, matter. last year was the outlier, not the norm. And that's Big just, 12 is about to call up and be like, mm, never well, mind. for two against the Big 12 this year. <laughs> Great. All right, which one's up next? Uh, we're going ECU 49, Campbell 10. Nice, nice. for ECU. Uh, secondary mm-hmm. could have been a little bit better, but Campbell was throwing a lot, so the yardage stacked up. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, do you know how many yards per carry he had? No. You're the Doak uh, no. You're the Doak Walker voter here. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't on he wasn't on my ballot this week. So 14.2 yards per carry. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's I I know he's a good running back, but that's that's a, it's impressive. Far. How many carries did he have? I can double check that. I uh, that's okay. Anyway, it was, it was more than two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, um, but Keaton Mitchell aside, Holton Ehlers, my guy, my guy, Holton holding it down 17 of 20 for 263 yards and three touchdowns. Not only that, we need three cheers for Holton because he became the Americans career passing leader with 11,019 yards. And Mike Houston in my article said that he was going to do it. And he did. Amazing what longevity does for you. Okay. First of all, he hasn't been there as don't even start with me because you're starter or four year starter. And you played a little bit as a true freshman. It's his fifth year senior who has started for four years and played as a freshman. Anyways, uh, by the way, Keita Mitchell, 13 carries, 185 yards, and a touchdown was his line. 13-185. Okay. Yeah. So nice, clean, easy win for ECU. Not much else to say about it. Uh, Tulsa, 54, Jacksonville State, 17. This is the one where I kind of personally have to eat crow on. We, I'm going to say it. Emily made me pick Jacksonville State. This wasn't my fault. 
This is her fault, not mine. There's no way around it. She twisted my arm into doing something different and taking the Mac school to beat Tulsa. So yeah, I beat, I picked Northern Illinois to beat Tulsa. And you know what? They almost did. They almost beat Tulsa. It's frustrating to me that they didn't because they had the lead late. They blew it. Uh, I did not make you pick Jacksonville State. I, was, I know you're mad at me. <laughs> I know. Sorry. That was, uh, my mic was having this, an issue, but I'm back now and I'm ready to defend no, Tulsa no, no, to no. the death. So the point is I was mad at Tulsa yeah. and I picked Jacksonville state out of anger. Well, but Jacksonville state going in looked like a good choice. They have a good they're offense. An, they're an FCS team. I picked the FCS team to win. I would, and I did it quite I... frankly out of spite. And I should have done that. Uh, and that's all I have to say about it. Davis Brent. I do want to say, First in the mm-hmm. country in passing yards with 1,206 passing yards through three games. The next yeah. first, Michael Penix Jr. up at Washington. He's got 1,079. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent is also tied for first in touchdowns with 11. He's 16th mm-hmm. in passer efficiency. Having a monster, monster season. Don't know how I feel about the rest of the team around him. But, man, is he chucking around the yard and it's fun to watch. Yeah, he's incredible. He got honorable mention for the American this week for his 27 of 35 passes for 424 yards and four touchdowns. Having 373 passing yards in and three touchdowns in the first half should be like illegal. That's incredible. Fun fact about Tulsa and ECU going back to back here with the quarterbacks is that when Holton Aylers broke that mark and became the American passing leader, the old mark that he surpassed of 10,782 yards was set by former Tulsa quarterback, Dane Evans. So there you go. There you have two very strong quarterback teams in Tulsa and East Carolina. We love it. We love to see it. We're going to move on to a third team. Hold on though. We got it. You didn't say anything about Keelan Stokes. I I love Keelan Stokes. He's like probably one of my favorite receivers in the country. He surpassed 3000 career receiving yards um, in this game. And he ranks fifth on the Americans career receiving yards chart. He's also insanely good. So maybe teams should start covering him. That's all I have to say about Keelan. Okay. Yep. And you killed my transition to a third team with a good quarterback, but you know, oh. <laughs> Memphis 44, Arkansas state 32. Seth Hennigan is good. I think he makes the offense mm. pretty explosive when he's on and has time to throw downfield. I'm still not convinced that any wide receiver wants to be the primary downfield threat or weapon. I'm still not convinced if that's a good thing or a bad thing because he doesn't necessarily lean on one guy, but he ne- doesn't necessarily have a guy who can step up when he needs help either. Caden Precorn looked really good at tight end. I'm going to say that. I don't know if he's that explosive threat that you're looking for, but he looks like a really good pass catching threat at tight end. Uh, went forward on fourth down a lot in this game, Memphis did. Uh, three mm-hmm. for five on fourth down. The score, I think, also was a little bit misleading. It has They won by 12, but late mm-hmm. in the game, Arkansas State had the lead with about four minutes left. They took the lead. And uh, they were driving downfield with a chance to take the lead again. It was fourth and five when the Liberty Bowl became a factor, got two mm-hmm. penalties, and then a bad snap went about 40 yards the wrong way on fourth down and obviously killed Arkansas State's chances of winning. Mm-hmm. I also thought Butch Jones, uh, the Arkansas State coach, butchered the clock management at the end of the first half. <laughs> Ha-ha. That was an purpose, but yeah. Um, 
They had, I mean, they got, it wasn't not on purpose. <laughs> it worked out. It worked out. It's really what we need. Okay. But no, right. uh, Memphis kicked the ball out of bounds. It was 21-17. They had just taken the lead for the first, I think for the first time. They kick it out of bounds, so it's, you get it on the 35 in college, right? About a minute 15 left. And Butch mm-hmm. kind of let the clock run, and then they got, it, got <laughs> close to field goal range. And he's just letting it run and letting it run. And they called a screen and never even got to kick along like 60 yard field goal. It was just weird. Mm-hmm. And they got the ball to start the same half. And had they tried to do something with it, maybe momentum's different. Maybe the game's a little bit different, but Hey, if you're right, it is what it is. You don't complain that the other coach was a big dumb idiot. <laughs> you know, what's funny about this Memphis game and Seth, and again, completing 19 of 28 passes for 360 yards, three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in the game is that we have one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks on the player of the week list, mm-hmm. four of them in the honor roll list alone, which I can't remember in, you know, the last time there's been that many guys that have been putting up impressive numbers like that. So you know, and we're not even to the best one performance yet by a quarterback. So it's pretty crazy. Shout well, out to all the quarterbacks in right the there. American. Uh, I do want to say something. Seth Hennigan's awesome. I don't think the offense around him mm-hmm. deserved them. I, like, I mean, they put mm-hmm. up a lot of points in this game and they still show sparks of being explosive, but that's not a consistent offense, I don't think. And the defense has the same issues they've always had at Memphis, which is getting gassed for big plays themselves. But I think Kenny yeah. cover up a lot of deficiencies on that side of the ball. He's going to save Ryan Silverfield's job. Yeah, very easily. Captain save a coach is what we're going to call him. Memphis, uh, w- the weirdest stat ever, or weirdest note ever that I've ever seen in one of these emails. Memphis is 23-1 and one in its last 24 non-conference home games. <laughs> I mean, like, talk about, like, underwhelming statistic. Like, of yeah. course, like, it's not That's really tough, that impressive, but. Tough, tough place to go into. And when, I want to show yeah. one more thing about Seth Hennigan before I forget yeah. it. He's started 14 games now for Memphis. You know, he's a wow. More. Yeah. He's seventh all-time at Memphis in passing and sixth all-time in touchdown passes. Yeah, so he's definitely going to move up that list. Um, yeah. No. That's going to be fun to watch. He's a good kid. Transfer out to Tennessee next year. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyways, enjoy that, Tigers fans. Um, (laughs) Moving on. UCF 40, FAU 14. Uh, Close at the half. UCF pulled away big time in the second half. Uh, Mm -hmm. More importantly, they benched Daniel Lobarski. (laughs) It's about time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We finally saw freshman uh, kicker Colton Boomer go out there. Great name for a kicker, by the way, Boomer. Yeah. Uh, he went out there. He made a couple field goals. He did miss an extra point for what's worth, but he made a couple field goals, which is something Obarski couldn't say. Because, you yes. know, had Obarski made his field goal attempt against Louisville, maybe that game goes to overtime instead of just a straight-up loss. You never know. Right. Like, it matters, like, is what I'm saying. I know a lot of you go, well, he missed one kick. What is three points? It changes. It changes the format of a game. It changes your decision making later in the game, and not being able to trust your kicker is so unbearable to watch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I still, with the offense, I'm not convinced yet. 
to be honest with mm-hmm. you, about I think this offense is good. I think there's a lot of potential there. Offensive line scares me. I think they need to run the damn ball. And when they throw it, it's got to be a mixture of screens and play action. I don't like John Rice Plumley as a pure drop back passer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone does, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. The D was very good, minus a couple early struggles with the run in this game. Uh, but UCF's defense is one of the best units either side of the ball in the conference. Their offense is where the question marks are. The special teams are where the question marks are. Offensive line, more question marks. How it is. Uh, a few turnover issues. John Rice Plumley had a couple. There was a mm-hmm. center exchange issue. There's actually a center exchange issue in a couple of these games this week. Uh, and this is off topic. I know we were trying not to do too many like off to the side things, but this was a topic of conversation, at least on Twitter in the college football world. Mm-hmm. Do you, okay, you've got fourth and one and you need to get it. You want to run quarterback sneak. You are a shotgun primary team. Do you go under center to run quarterback sneak or do you run quarterback power or some kind of regular run play from the shotgun formation? Is this a is this like a hypothetical? Hypothetical. I I, I don't I was not. I was you lost me. Okay. Just so, you tell me what you would do. And then that's obviously what you're trying would, to get at. So okay. What I'm saying is if I was a team that mm-hmm. didn't play under center at all, I was okay. red shotgun team, I would never go under center for a quarterback sneak never because you think because the exchange that's something you know how to do <laughs> well that's from well i saw in this game uh mm-hmm. in multiple aac games and not just in the aac in multiple games across the country teams that normally don't go under center this week went under center and tried to quarterback sneak it and they fumbled the snap and they fumbled the mm-hmm. snap multiple times and became a topic of conversation on twitter for a little interesting. bit interesting it's not actually I know that the quarterback sneak, when it works, is pretty much unbeatable. But if you don't have any ability to get that snap, you're just not comfortable with that snap, that's not mm-hmm. what the rest of me. And a regular run play, just a halfback dive up the middle, is just as effective from shotgun versus from, say, I formation or you know whatever formation you'd run under center, like statistically speaking. So I don't see why teams would go under center. You see a fumble the ball going under center in this game. Uh, that's what I'm getting at. Interesting. I think the uh, argument could be made that like if you're playing the game of football and you can't take a snap from their center, no matter if that's your main, you know, if, if you're good at that or not, you should be able to do so. I don't. Sure. But if you know what I mean, like, I don't I know, I know what you're saying, but I'm saying if your team's entire offense is 95% mm-hmm. from the shotgun. Yeah. Then what are you practicing? You're just not practicing it. So I don't want to go into, a, but a there's no, but you haven't, it's not like you've never done it your entire I, career. I saw way too many fumbles this weekend when teams were to do it when they're not normally doing it. I would never, uh, never, never, if I was a coach anyways, uh, do you have any thoughts on this game? FAU crowd wasn't bad. Um, Stuck around for a half, like I said. I don't know. Don't know if there's much else to add. But- uh, John Reese Pumley, Offensive Player of the Week, obviously for his performance. Second game this season with 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards, which he's just doing it all out there. Um, oh, yeah. Love yeah. some running quarterback. If he gets a shot at Houston, he's going for 1,000. 653 days. yards is insane. Yeah. And That's like, like an insane amount of yards. So. so the score was close at the end of the first half, but that mm-hmm. was like largely like there was some turnovers and stuff like yeah. that. 
They were clearly the better team in the first half, but they were shooting themselves in the foot right. in a frustrating way. And they adjusted and they figured it out in the second half in a much more uh, comforting way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Georgia Tech next week in conference play. Oh, boy. Maryland 34, SMU 27. Uh, uh, same, old, same old SMU. That's my answer. Your defense. I was the, it, was, it was looking so good. And then, you know, Maryland, to be fair, is a good team. People don't lock, realize lock that they down. are trending upwards. The tricky thing with Maryland, in for anyone's vision, is they play in the Big Ten East. So you mm-hmm. can kind of write four losses onto your schedule inherently every year. Yeah. If you play Iowa or Wisconsin cross division, you're, those are tough games to win. You know, unless Iowa's got the offense they do this year, but whatever. Right. You know what I mean? But like, so like, just because of their situation schedule wise, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to be better than like seven and five, eight and four annually. Yeah. So it's hard for people to kind of see as much talent as they have. But the DMV area, it's, Full of talent and Loxley's very good at recruiting it. Yes. Loxley is a, is a player's coach. He's an incredible leader. So this is a really talented Maryland team. As you held up well for three quarters in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, they're off. Vanished. Absolutely vanished in the fourth quarter on offense. Uh, in fact, no final points for the final 21 minutes of the game for SMU. Tough to win like that. Yeah, and not only that, they it snapped their streak of 14 consecutive non-conference wins. So just sad all around. But that's okay because it, I believe they're going to firmly, I firmly believe they're going to use this as motivation heading into this bit. And, and if you're going to sit here and tell me that they weren't looking ahead to this TCU game. I was just going to ask you that if you think yeah. that's the kind of got trapped. Oh, 100%. I know he would never say that. No coach is ever going to say that, but you have to wonder that game is literally circled in blood for the soul of Dallas. And yeah. There's yes. no way that you weren't thinking about that. Yeah, so skill, you got to be a little bit. Yeah, uh, Rasheed, I'm like, excited. Massive game statistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just need Tanner Mordecai to be more consistent with. You know, he had turnover issues himself. He fumbled the ball. He had interceptions. That's uh, that Big Ten defense coming at you. It's a different yeah. kind well, of football. If you looked at the scheme. Maryland was just as fast as SMU, but everyone mm-hmm. was just a little bit bigger too. Bigger, yeah, hundred percent. They're bigger, but the same speed. It wasn't like they were a lethargic two inches taller, you know? right? Right. Uh, and that's, I think, over time became the issue SMU faced was the strength plus speed. You know. Uh, yeah. We've got one more game to recap here, and I here we go. Be the most interesting one of the week. I told you, I was almost right. I gotta tell you what. This was the best case scenario for UCF fans. I'll explain in one minute. Florida 31, USF 28. 28. First off, off, I do have some Crody because I thought that USF was going to get run out of the building and they did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone can go listen to the last podcast where you were like, oh, they're going to get murdered. And I was like, no, they're not. I used the phrase come to Jesus. Yeah. I remember. I'll never forget that because I was right. It's recorded. It's out there. Yeah. We'll send it to the Library of Congress still. Probably it was the perfect, it was the perfect situation for Florida to fail 
And they do that in those situations. I've literally seen them physically do it. So it's a different coach now. You got to, I was thinking different. I, you know what I really did? And I'll just admit this. I put too much stock into Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Everybody uh, does that with a Florida quarterbacks. They did that well, with the last Florida quarterback. Okay. That's, I didn't do that with the last Florida quarterback, okay, but people do. Okay. Is but what Anthony I'm saying. Richardson looked so good and explosive with his legs against Utah mm-hmm. that it opened up the passing game a little bit. And you kind of were able to look past that. He throws flat footed and doesn't get off his first read. Utah's a very different then, team than USF. Kentucky, I know. And then Kentucky has an elite defense. And I was kind of able to write it off, being like, it's fine. Kentucky's only defense. <laughs> that's why he struggled throughout, like, pretty bad in the second half. Mm-hmm. And USF is not those things, you know? They're right. just not an elite defense. Oh, um, but they're a different kind of team, you yeah. know? And and to their credit, they were able to keep him in the pocket and stop him from running the ball. I heard some, well, what was it? It was a, I think it was, um, I can't remember. Someone was speculating that he's gotten Richardson's gotten injured ankle because he's running so much worse now than the Utah game. Don't know if that's true or not. Doesn't matter. You still can possible, and he still does. He just looked uncomfortable in the pocket against USF. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Ali Crow, I own that USF. Thank you. But here's why: this is the best case scenario for UCF fans. Florida looked like shit, and USF still lost. It's just funny. Yeah. Because I don't have it's, to say yeah. Florida's good anymore. I know they're ranked, but they shouldn't be. We all know it. Right, right. You know, like, we don't have to pretend as a UCF fan, like, that they're a respectable team in the, you know, in the state. That's why uh, my heart breaks for USF fans, because they were so close. And that victory would have meant so much. Like, that victory for Florida means nothing to be USF to them. It's like, but for USF, that was everything. And if they had just, you know... Yeah. Made a field goal or yeah, whatever it is. They outgained UF in this game. Mm-hmm. They only punted once in this game. Uh, you know, Brian Daddy was insane in this. Oh my game. God. He he was. Honor yeah. roll mentioned for him career high 150 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries. And he had 250 all purpose yards, which is what's so great about him is he's so versatile and they can use him in all these different areas. I love that. Yeah, no. And Look, I want to give them all the credit that I can because I know USF fans think I never give them any credit. Uh, I thought that the play design from Jeff Scott was overall pretty. I think it was good play design. Are you more impressed with it? Because I know you haven't been, so. I haven't been impressed. I felt like he came with it this time. Like he came with it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the run, the the design on running plays was good. Um, I thought the two-point conversion play was an outstanding play because you don't see that kind of, I mean, it was a halfback toss pass, essentially. But usually when it's a halfback toss, it's a toss play to the running back. And then they throw – this was a swing pass, like a proper pass. So it was a little mm-hmm. bit unique in a way you don't normally see. Um, and that was – I don't know, it just looked very unique. And got they got Florida defenders running the wrong way a lot with a lot of those designed plays. Um, I know Jeff Scott was mad at the refs in this game. Yeah. Uh, they were not great. Yeah, I mean, but not, I mean, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. The, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna the, hang. I'm not gonna hang the game on that. But he, yeah, you said something to the effect of, uh, "I don't have the money to pay these SEC fines, so I'm not gonna say too much about." But they, sh- I don't, and I don't know who the which conference provided the refs, but it shouldn't have been the SEC because it 
USF was the road game, should, so they should have been AAC reps. That's how that works normally. I don't know. We'd have 90, to look and see. I mean, it'll 90, say it on the whatever the game notes were. It'll say what what the refs were. I can find it I if you want. I, I'm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter for our purposes here, yeah. really. It's just a curiosity right. for me because, um, well, it's just curiosity to me because they should have been AAC refs because the away team provides refs as a rule. Um, anyways, I do want to get to the batter or batter. That's not worth the worst thing about this. So Gary Bohannon looked terrible. He's looked terrible all season. Yeah. He's the transfer quarterback who you had come in and, you know, he was a starter at Baylor last year. So you say, all right, he should, that's the team that went to the sugar bowl last year. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy who should be capable of taking our offense to the next level. And I really thought that with the skill players they have, uh, that they would at least be really competent in the passing game. And it's not there at all. The passing game's actively bad actually for USF still. Um, and Timmy McLean left town because of it. And Timmy. Frankly, frankly, Jimmy Horn didn't get a touch in this game. I don't think. And he, to me is one of your better playmakers. And I don't know why you're not scheming him the ball better. I don't know what's going on there, but I think that's a pretty big issue. Uh, let's talk about the final sequence there. Because you had two bad, you had a bad. You were Are down, we still going about this game? What? On. I've got something to finish up on here. Oh uh, boy, this is sequence. taking too long for this game. Okay, okay that's fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> USF okay. got there, and they were losing by three, and they had a chance to kick a short field goal to win it there on the sixteen yard line, and they had a bad snap, mm-hmm. basically rolled the ball back to the thirty-five ish. And yeah, at that point, uh, they fell on the ball. It was kind of. It would have been better if they had picked up uh, specifically Bohannon picked it up and threw it away, but that's not what happened. Uh, the safe thing was to retain possession, but whatever. That's what happened. They followed that up with just a little two-yard run, so it remained a very long field goal to potentially tie the game. Uh, I didn't love the kind of just like, all right, surrender for a long field goal, but it's a safe conservative play, I guess. Right. And then your holder just dropped the ball. And that's how you lose because your holder couldn't put the ball on the ground. And the kicker still yeah, was well. best ball I've ever seen not being held up, get kicked because he nearly got it there anyways. But uh, man, that's heartbreaking. And I do have to say Jeff Scott is now 0-5 in one score games, 4-20 overall and 1-20 versus FBS schools. Mm. Not great. And by the way, had he won his last two one-score games, he would have a win at UCF and a win at Florida in his belt, under his belt. But he didn't, yeah. so he doesn't. And that was week three in the American Athletic Conference. What do we think? Feeling good about the conference? Tulane's the only unbeaten <laughs> team left. I know, it's crazy. I would never have thought that, ever. It's wild. <laughs> wild times we live in really is uh we're gonna move on to our week four preview pretty quickly unless you have any conference news or notes that are worth getting to nope, right here. i'm ready to go you hear that ready to go uh, ready to go last week's uh prediction records i went six and four you went seven and three that's the jacksonville state difference right there um i'm 22 and nine I'm take it and 12 
So we're going to see how this week goes. We're going to start with a game that you'll be attending, TCU at SMU. Uh, mm-hmm. Game of the week. First off, we're starting with the game of the week. Most people would save it to the end. We're not. We're game right to it. Okay. Uh, the noon kick. That's why we're doing it first. That's kind of how we. How I, I think it's it. at eleven, isn't it? Eleven Central Time. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I was like, wait a minute. I get an extra hour? No, no, I don't. No. Have to be no, at the I'm, stadium at eight a.m. So I'm on the I'm on the East Coast here. <laughs> um, obviously, we all know why this game is such a big deal. Besides the fact it's a Big rivalry to begin with. Sonny Dykes mm-hmm. left SMU for TCU last year, and now he has to come back and play a game in Dallas at his old stomping ground. <laughs> uh, He's going to get booed, right? Oh, it's going to be like a WWE match. Yeah, I'm very excited for this. It, it's going to be... I'm excited for this one. I'm not going to be there, but I'm excited to watch it from afar with kind of just like a little, kind of like a giddy little shake to myself while I watch it. I go, ooh, let's see what happens here. Uh- I had a wait, I gotta tell you a quick story. I had a girl that I follow on Twitter that we're we're Twitter friends and she works in the industry. I don't know what her role is, but I know that she covers SMU or works with SMU or does something, you know, to cover the football team, whatever. So Sunny Dykes had followed her on Twitter, obviously, when when he was there and she was working there. And just recently he unfollowed her. And she called him out on Twitter. And it was so funny because it reminded me of what Billy Napier did to me. And we have how Billy Napier will randomly follow media people than just not (laughs) and then unfollow them. Yeah, just so weird. But she and I had this like really funny exchange about it. And it was interesting because like she did a lot for him and like help, you know, and and she was kind of hurt that that he unfollowed her. So I think that is the sentiment behind a lot of SMU people is gonna be either hurt and then now anger, you know. I think that's he didn't just leave for a big 12 school. Like, had he taken the Texas mm-hmm. Tech job, I think people would have been like, well, first first off, his dad coached at Texas Tech, so it's like a family sentimental thing, too. But, like, I think they would have been like, man, that sucks, but I get it. You know what I mean? The way a lot of AAC fans, I think, get it. Like, when Mike Norvell left Memphis, a lot of Memphis fans were, like, maybe a little bit bitter about it. But, like, you got it. You understood that Florida State is. Yeah. You, you get it. When Josh mm-hmm. Heifel leaves for Tennessee, you get it. You know? Et cetera, et cetera, with all these different changes that happen. But he didn't just leave for Baylor or Texas Tech or Oklahoma State. He left for TCU. He left for the crosstown rival. Yeah, it's and it's that's, messed up. That's what's unacceptable about it. Yeah. You know, again, at the end of the day, people get it when they, the cash is different, the prestige is different, but that's not the one you leave for. Yeah. And I'm excited for it because Rhett Lashley is a great coach, I think. They're going to be reared up and ready to go. I think this game's going to have a million points scored in it. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting games of the day. I can't. It's wait. it's hard to tell what TCU is and where they are, even though they're two and zero, because Colorado's Colorado, terrible, right? And so that was like you know that was what it was, and then Tarleton, that's you know that is it what is it is. What so it is. I. Right. And so I'm very interested to actually see what this TCU team is made of and an SMU coming off this loss, they're going to be pissed. So it is going to be crazy, but I think you got to give the edge to SMU because it is in their stadium. And that I think it's going to be a factor. So. Yeah. I think it's just going to be too emotionally charged. I think SMU yeah. does win. I think they're yeah. right. To it though. 
I'm going to go SMU on this one. Both on the phone. And I'm excited to be there. It's going to be my first Iron Skillet game. So, and my first time at SMU. Tell me if the field ball is up. <laughs> I'll let you know. Uh, moving on. USF at Louisville. Uh, Louisville coming off a tough loss to Florida State. USF coming mm-hmm. off a tough loss to Florida. Uh, <laughs> where do you think the emotions are for the Bulls coming into this game? It's one of those things. It's like you could either be super jacked up that because this is the thing. Twitter and like all of the fans for USF, very impressed with the fact that it was that close. And they did hold a team that's ranked that highly um, to the score that it was and that they played that well. So I feel like if I'm just got, I'm pumping this team up saying, look, we we did this well. We did this well. We we did. Yes, we didn't quite get there and we didn't finish. But there's a lot to take away from the game, I feel like. And I really hope that he focuses on that because if you don't and you're sitting there like, oh, we lost, you know, this close game, then you're not going to be mentally where you need to be to take on this this pretty decent Louisville team, athletic, two athletic teams. I think you know? tricky to figure out team is the best way to describe Louisville. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fair. Well, what I mean. But I mean, Cunningham is, is going to do what Cunningham does and – you got to be ready for it. So you have to find a way to contain them. You contain Richardson. Well, mm-hmm. like I said, who knows what Richardson's deal is long-term now. That was his third start. Malik Cunningham was way more experienced than Richardson. Yeah. I mean, you know I mean? I, it's at Louisville. It's going to be a really tough back-to-back road trips to deal with for USF. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, there is still a talent gap here. I'm, I just don't trust the Bulls. I don't see why I should mm-hmm. trust the Bulls. They've given me, I know that they played UF close last week, but like I said, when we were just talking about that game, I think it was just proof to me that, you know, that UF isn't that good more so than it is that mm-hmm. USF is coming along. The USF has made strides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. I get it. Do you, are you going to pick Louisville then? I absolutely am. Uh, yeah, I just think they're the better team overall. And plus, besides that, I really can't have uh, Louisville losing to USF after they beat UCF. I mean, that's 100% understandable, but I really feel strongly in this USF team. So I am going to go ahead and pick USF on the road. That's just silly. It might be, but that's they're like- my ride or die this year. I thought Temple was your ride or die. Speaking of. No. At Temple. You asked that Temple. Not a lot. Oh, you know what? I forgot to say the lines in these games. TCU favored by a point and a half. Okay. Obviously that's a, it's a wash. And then Louisville favored by 14. I definitely don't think they're beating USF by two touchdowns. So. Um, I think in this Temple game, the line is also. Generate well, maybe not. It's about right. Nine points. I mean that. I think that's fair. I think that that's feels fair. right. That does feel right, actually. That's so, fair. not a whole lot to uh to say in this in this matchup, other than at least it's at home for Temple or as home as they can be. Um, meaning they don't have to travel. And UMass is UMass are one and two coming off a win. Yeah. Don't ask who. Okay, I won't. Stony, bro. It was. Stony. <laughs> I'm definitely picking Temple because I feel like we're starting to see them trend in the right direction this season. So, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I look, I would love to see UMass win this game because, yeah, you know, I just want, 
I, but UMass has huge, huge issues. They're going to yes. take the day. Like that's just the reality. And Temple should win the scheme. This should make you Temple should win the scheme probably by a couple scores. Uh, I don't know if they go that far. Oh, they I probably don't. should. I don't know that they will, but I think I definitely think they're gonna win. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm picking Temple for sure. Yeah. All right. Moving on. North Texas at Memphis. Uh things aren't going great for North Texas right now. Uh it's been a rough start to their year. Uh Memphis, on the other hand, uh, lost a pretty ugly game to Mississippi State, but since then has kind mm-hmm. of bounced back in a lot of ways. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think you gotta, you have to lean on what Memphis is at home, you know? And and I think, yes, North Texas, it has not panned out. Like it kind of started out. Okay. In that first game. And it looked like, okay, maybe we're going to see a North Texas team. Like we did when Mason fine was leading it. Um, that has not turned out to be the case. So you've got a two and two team here going into, a Memphis environment that everybody was talking about. How was the difference maker created two false starts in that fourth quarter in the last game. So um, yeah, Memphis is favored by 11 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and say that they're at least going to win by a score. I'm definitely picking Memphis in this game. Yeah. I, I like Memphis in this game too. I still think they're going to let up a few points, but they're the better team top to bottom here. There's no reason why they shouldn't win. I uh, love that for Ryan Silverfield. Yeah, three and one start, no matter who it's against, is a three and one start. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, better, he better treat Seth Hennigan to some like a spa day or something. Oh, come on. That's a municipal benefit. He needs to spa. <laughs> yeah, uh, he needs an NIL deal. <laughs> anyways, uh, Indiana at Cincinnati. This was yes. one of the teams last year that. When Cincinnati went to Indiana, at the t- at that time, Indiana was ranked, but uh, they turned out to be terrible. But it helped Cincinnati legitimize itself for the playoff. Uh, right now, Indiana is just about as fraudulent as a 3-0 team can get. They've really played nobody, and they needed help uh, from the Big Ten officials to beat Illinois, but they are 3-0. What do you think? I mean, okay, Cincinnati lost Arkansas, but beat Kennesaw State in Miami, Ohio. So, you know, I'm not trying to like bounce out. I don't know if we're talking about fraudulent teams. Uh, Do we need to go through the Indiana situation right now? No, you already did. I'm just making sure that you give equal attention to Cincinnati's situation. That's all. Oh, for sure. And like I said, I'm not convinced about Ben Bryant necessarily Mm -hmm. as a long term uh, viable option to go to the New Year six with, I guess is the way I'd phrase it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, Indiana need, like I said, need help for Illinois. They struggled with Idaho and they struggled with Western Kentucky. That's in my opinion, worse than what Cincinnati has done so far. I think they have a better kicker. So that's, that's true. That's if, I mean, if that, that's, you know, Charles Campbell, seven of eight, 50 yard, one win, 50 yard game winner against Western Kentucky. So if it comes down to a field goal, I would be, Picking Indiana, although Cincinnati's favored by 16 and a half, so it may not get that not, close. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not thinking it's, I think it's gonna be more. Than <laughs> but that. if it did, <laughs> I mean Cincinnati's defense is still very, very good. Indiana's mm-hmm. offense still has clear problems, especially in the post-Michael Penix era. Um I don't see how Indiana wins at Nipper. I just don't. Yeah. 
I like, I well, try to talk myself mm-hmm. into it, but I just can't see how they do. But you're more than welcome to. Well, this is how I will frame it for you is that if the ball, if I'm Indiana and this is not something that I, I think that they're probably uh, good at, so they're not probably going to do it, but I would lead with the ground game because Cincinnati, um, Mm-hmm. I just, I wouldn't throw, I don't, I, every way I look, I just don't, I don't like, I don't like it. If I'm, if I'm Cincinnati, if That's I'm. The weak hmm? defense is the weak point of their defense for sure. Yeah, I would, but I don't, but it's not a strength for Indiana and vice versa, Cincinnati, not a strong rusher. So if I'm Indiana, I'm going to try and force them into the run game because they've fumbled the ball nine times already. And well, lost four of those. Been, the fumbling's been awful for Yeah. Me. So if I mean that's the obvious game plan, but I don't know that that's their strength as well on their defense. So uh I think it's just a big, big old mismatch. And I really do want to pick Indiana, but it's also at Cincinnati. So yeah. there's to me, I there's no way it. Indiana wins. Yeah. That's just me. They're not gonna they're not gonna beat them at, at Nipper. Mm-hmm. Now, if this game was at Indiana, given the season Cincinnati's had having to play Arkansas on the road, um I think I might pick, I think I did pick Indiana last year and I think I you would did. do it again yeah. if it, if it were at Indiana, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Cincy in this one. Well, yeah. for you. <laughs> You're uh, obviously also doing that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't, I'll say the words I'm picking Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, Georgia tech at UCF. Uh, Georgia tech is a dead program walking right now. <laughs> Let's be 100% real about this. Jeff Collins is getting fired, if not this week, next week, if not next week, the week after. He's getting fired mm-hmm. midseason this year. It, he's not left. They're just looking for the money right now. Mm-hmm. They're just looking for the money. That's all they're doing. They lost 42 nothing last week to Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin said he called up. He didn't throw enough with his backup for the game because he, did, he felt bad for Collins. Jeff yeah. Collins has done nothing right at Georgia Tech, and it shows. This team is bad. This team has already quit on the season. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with anything. If UCF doesn't win by three or four scores, there's something really broken with UCF. I would like to see UCF start faster, get their shit together quicker, and not fumble or not fumble. I not turn the ball over. Yeah, watch the turnovers. Don't shoot yourself in the foot in the right. foot as much. Figure out the special like. I mean, I know Georgia obviously Tech. it's going to be a win. So I'd like to see them tighten up some of these issues before they go into conference play. So I agree. I mean, yeah. I hate to say that this is, I mean, Georgia Tech's like a bottom five or 10 team in the country. And all of mm-hmm. FBS, they're awful. I think UCF's like a three score favorite. And that's starting off the top. Uh, they are favored by 20. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yep. So. That is something right well, we're both picking UCF then. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't really think it's that hard of a pick. And if you are trying so to... So the play, only please... Mm-hmm. I was just going to say for Charlie, well, you guys were very confident about Louisville. At least Louisville's competent. You know? Mm, yes. Yes, and they have a great quarterback. I mean, athletic I quarterback. Actually, I don't dislike the quarterback for Georgia Tech, but he's never gotten over... He looks like he has a lot of potential. Mm. You know? That's the worst. Is that the team team around him? Is that the scheme around him? Is that him himself? Yeah. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, their only real good player last year, transferred to Alabama. That sucks. It sucks for 
Yeah. Road to Texas for everyone who doesn't want Alabama to be a monster. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Win it, win it easy. Uh, Tulsa at Ole Miss. I think another very interesting game. I think we're going to see points out the, uh, out the backside in this game. I think we're looking at a shootout. I think we're almost, and a lot of people have realized this has been quietly doing the same nonsense that Michigan's been doing with their quarterback situation. Lane just didn't advertise it and talk about how he's like Samson or something like that. That's so it'd be Samson the only out. thing that Lane Kevin didn't advertise then. Well, you know, you got to advertise something. He's the worst. He advertises everything. He literally is the worst. I know you're not a Lane Kiffin fan. Uh, no, not even great, a little bit. He, but he's a great offensive mind in the in the sport. Um, yeah, and he lets everybody know it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> if you got it, uh, I I think it's going to be a little bit closer than this. You know, 21 points that they are giving. Is that the spread? Yeah. 21, which I feel like is very disrespectful to this Tulsa offense. I mean, Ole Miss has looked good this year on both sides of the ball. But Tulsa's offense is highly potent so far. I don't trust the defense for Tulsa at all in this game, but the offense should be able to score a little bit. Like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of points. Yeah, there is going to be. And it's if Davis Spring goes off, like, what you going to do about it, Kiff? Because yeah. we don't really know that their defense has not been pushed no, to that point yet. They're another team that hasn't really played anyone yet. Yes. You know what I mean? So, um, so I don't yeah. know. Are you going to pick against Ole Miss just for your Lane Kiffin hatred? Yeah. Yes. I'm picking Tulsa 100%. Um, I'm on. I know that's stupid, but that's, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm actually very excited um, for this game because Ole Miss has allowed 13 points so far. So this is like, they're obviously going to get more than that. And that to me is great because Lincoln's right. going to have to eat it. If Tulsa does not score at least 13 points, it's Emily's fault for that last sentence right there. Oh my God. They're definitely going to score 13 points. And that on. one, she's doubling down. Oh my, so I, triple down. I, I agree, Emily. I, they should score more. I think it's going to be like a 45 yeah. to 28 kind of game, to be honest with you. That's what a lot of people are predicting. I think I, I mean, I don't, I'm not good at the scores, but I, I do think, I no, do think it's going to be crazy. I think Tulsa's going to get there as an offense. I don't see them gaining yeah. defense. That's all. Uh, yeah, I know. They're going to have to come up with something creative on the defensive side. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm actually, this game I'm excited about. So it's going to be fun we'll to watch. See. I think an interesting yeah. watch at the very least. I love uh, Tulsa. I love watching them just because they're interesting. So Tulsa infuriates me to no end. I know. It's so funny. Partially because I can't get a read on them a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. uh, we do have a conference game this week. Navy Yay. at East Carolina. Um, so Navy is rested. Maybe they had time to sort some things out that they've been doing wrong. But Probably otherwise... I mean, otherwise they look like the worst team in the conference so far. It's, it makes me sad. I don't like when Navy plays a team that I like because I, yeah, I like want Navy to do okay. But I also like, I love ECU and home Naylor, So I'm like, this is a very, this is an emotional game for me. So. I, yeah. So all those things to me, like I'm still mad at ECU for not beating NC state, frankly. Yeah. I feel like, that. I'm, still a game I'm mad at them for and just the way it went down. I'm glad I'm not an ECU fan because it, it was a heartbreaking game to lose the way they lost it. Yeah. 
Um, but man, I just, if I'm looking at them and I'm thinking that I, that they can do what I personally have thought they can do, which is be a dark horse for the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta be, you gotta beat Navy. You gotta do it pretty easily. You know? Yeah. They're favored by 17. So. I think that's a little rude to see you. I think that's a little disrespectful to the Pirates. You, don't th- you think it should be more? I think it should be 20 plus. Yeah. Okay. This, I think that Navy's, I think Navy's offensive scheme is going to be a problem for ECU. I know that everybody says that about them, but I actually do because I don't know that ECU's defense is, is good at that. Was Delaware's defense better at it? <laughs> was Nate, was Memphis's defense better at it? Because Memphis is a bad defense. Yeah. That's I don't know. I just feel like if that's if there's going to be an issue, that's where it's going to be. That's all. Sure, sure. I don't yeah. disagree with it. I just don't see why there would be an issue. Yeah, they they may they very well may not be. I'm but. super high on Navy at the start of every year. I feel like they're one of those teams that like I see the vision for it. And it just hasn't clicked in the past few years the way it clicked a few years before. You know. Yeah. And it's frustrating for those of us who want to see, you know. I guess for those of us who properly support the troops. Yeah. Well, we don't like to see Coach Ken in this position. Okay. And that's it's upsetting. It. So that's part of it. It's just a yeah. thought all around. Uh, you're on ECU, though. Yeah. I think I have to. I am just loving the one two punch of Ehlers and Mitchell. It's so much fun. Yeah. They're going to get theirs in this game. Uh, they are definitely. <laughs> one that you gave a little teaser for earlier, right? Mm. At- Houston. Uh, Rice was coached by one of your old favorite Stanford pals, uh, Mike Mm -hmm. Bloom. Um, Houston is coming up three tough games and two tough losses. Uh, I said what I had to say about what I think of them right now. I think they're undisciplined and I think that they're mentally weak at the moment. That doesn't mean that they'll end the season that way, but that's just to me what they are right now. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not focused on the task at hand. They're not doing their jobs as a team. Uh, there's still a lot of raw athletic talent there, but it's not working. It's not meshing. It's a, to me, it's a coaching issue in a lot of respects. Yeah. Uh, I do think the McCaskill injuries hurt them. I think they, mm-hmm. uh, I know Rice is coming off a really huge win that program beating Louisiana, snapping the longest FBS winning streak. Uh, there's no reason you don't. And not only that, they were down at halftime and came back. Like that, that kind of fight is something that we haven't seen from this no. Rice group. I feel like since Bloom has been there, so that was impressive. The thing is, we haven't seen that type of fight since Rice ever. You know, Maybe, yeah, like, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you know, Rice doesn't fair. win football games. It's a really tough place to win football games. At, yeah, uh, just structurally. Um, yeah. It's in terms of talent, these two teams aren't on the same planet. They're just not. But Houston feels a little yeah. bit at the same time. The gears aren't working right. What do you think? I mean, I, I think if I think if Rice they did so many things well in the Louisiana game in the sense that like they can, they had the advantage when it came to first downs, they held Louisiana to nine first downs, uh, total yards. They put up almost 
450 yards. And then time of possession, 41 minutes to 18. That's an insane, you know, um, disparity there. And I think though that that's not reflected in the score. So I think they're doing all these things right, but then that's not transferring into points for them. And so that's kind of like where the disconnect for this team is. They also had nine penalties and three turnovers. So I think if they can limit mistakes and then actually turn these like positive things into points, I don't know that Houston's the team you want to do, like have to put that into practice against, to be fair, but it is a, a team in disarray. So um, you know, I want, I'm going to pick rice Houston's favored by 17 and a half. Yeah. I think as they should be, just if you look at the talent of it all, like I said, something isn't clicking right for Houston right mm-hmm. now. Um, but you got to figure it out at some point because the talent's there. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's it's just a mess. It's a mess. And if no, there's yeah. fighting on the sideline in that game, okay, this game is going to be even chippier because these schools proximity wise are the closest FBS schools in the country. Did you know that? I had no idea. Closest that, in the country, uh, I didn't know, but I believe it. Yeah. There's not a ton of uh, cities that have two FBS schools in them. Uh, Houston right. one, LA is another. Well, da- uh, Dallas. Dallas, well, Fort Worth to Dallas, right? I North, mean, North Texas is in DFW. Texas. Yeah, but that's not one city. I'm talking, like, these are in one city. It's just Houston. I mean, but uh, Houston is the same size as if DFW would be that. They just broke it up. Miami's there. got Miami and Florida International. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta's got Georgia Tech and Georgia State. Oh, there's got to be a few others, but there's not 10. There's just not time that have two FBS schools in them. So, yeah, I believe it. I didn't know it. I didn't know that. So, um, but it's definitely like a grudge match type game, especially for Rice. Like they feel it, you know, and so they're going to be, I think, coming out swinging, being chippy. So maybe they can bait Houston into some bad situations. If I'm Mike Bloomgren, you know, I'm not telling my players to get in fight, but I'm also not telling them not to get in some situations. You know how you can bait Houston again to a bad situation right now? You can snap it on two instead of one because the whole team's (laughs) jump. That's one way to do it. I'm definitely I'm picking race. So yeah. I'm on Houston. Last game. Woo! The rivalry game. I don't know if you know that. I'm like I do. I have actually been there for a battle of the bell before. Yeah. So this is a rivalry game that a lot of people overlook because it's a you know it's a mm-hmm. G five rivalry game. It's not even a conference game right now. Uh, it was at right. one point when they were both conference USA there. Uh, but this is a really heated game between two teams. Southern Miss is coached by Will Hall, former offensive mm-hmm. coordinator at Tulane. Frankly, the only offensive coordinator that Michael Pratt really looked good under so far out of three. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern Miss has issues though. Let's face it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, of course. When Hall took over that program, and I think he's a great coach, so I don't want any of this to sound like I'm disparaging him uh, because I do think he's a great coach. It was yeah. a massive rebuild. It, you know, I mean, when I say like a place like it was kind of like Temple to me, where it just it's going to take some years to get the rod out and to put in to get your own guys in and not be even once you get your own guys in, even if you get your own guys in two years time, they're still all freshmen and sophomores, typically speaking. Mm-hmm. So it's just then you still have to build experience and develop them and get them to grow into college bodies. So 
there's still issues with that at Southern Miss. Tulane uh, mm-hmm. is coming off a win over a Big 12 school that people think pretty highly of. It should be a win for Tulane. I think the defense is going to dominate as long as they don't, as long as they stay focused, which because it's a rivalry game, I think they should be able to. I need to see the offense take a step forward and against more legitimate competition than UMass or Alcorn State. Mm-hmm. Look, look, yeah, look competent, really. Because you didn't look competent on offense against Kansas State. You know, you looked passable. The defense looked good, but you um, didn't really look good on offense. So look good in all phases of the game here, I think. And you should be able to because there's a, you know, there's a talent advantage for Tulane. There is. Yes. There's an experience advantage. A lot of things. This series is fun. I don't think people realize this. I'm going to do a little bit of a history thing is that this dates back to 1920. Mm. Um, and the green wave won the very first game that there ever was 19 to zero, which is cool for them. Um, Southern Miss, however, leads the series 23 to nine. The two schools are two hours within two hours of each other, which is, it's going to make for a very good environment fan wise. Uh, Tulane has 12 players from Mississippi on its roster, including, you know, my boy, Will Wallace, who is from Natchez and Southern Miss has six players from Louisiana on its roster. So there's going to be a lot of crossover. Recruiting territory. Yes. It's, it's very, this is going to be fun. Like if you're not doing anything, you know, Saturday night and you want to turn on a game, that's going to just yeah. be if down and dirty your vibe or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what other yes. primetime games there are going to be this. Week. I honestly, I hadn't, I hadn't looked, but um, Notre Dame, this is Carolina definitely one you. Primetime. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Um, I'm going to roll with. Yeah. I'm going to roll with Tulane on this one because it is home. They are doing well. Um, they're rolling right now. Southern Miss is still, like you said, trying to figure stuff out, which is understandable under yeah, Will Hall. Right. Although Will Hall does have Willie Fritz's number, to be fair. So we'll how see. much will that come into play? I don't know. But. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm on Tulane as well. And with that, I've picked every home team this week. Oh, my God. Congratulations. I'm sorry, I didn't jump on the Tulsa to beat an SEC school or Rice yes. to beat any school or USF to beat any school boat. Yeah, that's too bad for you, but it's going to be fun for me. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I feel a little chaos coming this weekend for some reason, so I'm going to roll with it. That was good. That was quick. We did it. We got through our preview. We got through our recap. That is life inside the American Athletic Football Conference. Okay. Yeah, that's week four. Uh, should be a good week. A couple good rivalries on either to bookend it. A few interesting games in between. What else can you ask for, right? Exactly. It's going to be a good one. I feel good about it. You feel good about it? I feel mm-hmm. something about it. I feel good. And I'm excited to finally get to be at an SMU game and, and see this see this craziness for myself. I guarantee something weird is going to happen there because every time I go to games like this, there's going to be, there's always something weird happened. So get ready, buckle up. Excited for that one. Excited for you. Uh, yeah. You can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. You can find me at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M at, on Twitter and Instagram. All right. 
Until next week. We'll see you, <laughs> we'll see you next week.